In this episode, we look at three ways to hack your motivation. Get excited, because this is Tiny Leaps. Big Changes. Welcome to another episode of Tiny Leaps, Big Changes, where I share simple research-based strategies you can use to get more out of your life. My name is Greg Clunas, and in this episode, we are looking at motivation. Now, in our last episode, episode 798, we talked about the truth behind dopamine and how dopamine is actually a molecule of motivation. And so in this episode, what I wanted to do is to take that concept and expand on it further to look at other forms of reinforcing and inspiring motivation, as well as a clear process for how to utilize this new understanding of dopamine when we're trying to pursue specific behaviors and specific outcomes. So this is going to be a super fun episode to dive into. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, before we jump into today's episode, what if you could go through every day energized, motivated, and clear of mind? Taking a few minutes to start your day in a positive manner can make all the difference. And since you're listeners of Tiny Leaps, I know that that really matters to you. It's a small thing you can do that makes a massive difference. So I want to recommend this podcast, Wake Me Up, and it features mindfulness, meditation, and motivation perfectly blended to get your day going. You can even start the episodes right from bed. And once you get in the habit of listening to Wake Me Up every morning, not only are you going to more consistently start your day in a, a positive state, but I'm, I'm pretty positive you're not going to want to stop. So do a search for Wake Me Up wherever you get your podcast. Like literally wherever you're listening to this right now, do a search for Wake Me Up and listen to the podcast today. Getting into it, the first thing we want to go through is the idea of hacking dopamine. How does this work? Well, back in episode 798, we talked about how dopamine is released not just in response to uh, a specific situation. You know, if you are planning to go to Disney World, you're not just getting the dopamine in response to being at Disney World. You're actually getting it in anticipation of the specific uh, situation or outcome. And so what this means on a very practical level is that the anticipation of a reward is driving dopamine release and therefore motivating us to take the behaviors required to uh, create that outcome and to gain that reward. And what this can mean for us is if we want to take a certain behavior, let's say we want to get to the gym more often, we want to save more money, we want to eat healthier, we want to uh, uh, find a partner, we want to do whatever the thing is for us, whatever our goals look like right now. 
If we want to do this specific thing and accomplish this specific outcome, it can be motivating to sit and visualize that reward. And not just the reward, but the entire process. Now, the actual behavior itself might not be anything we're excited about. You know, it's not that fun to go to the gym and lift weights. You pick them up and put them back down. That's, that's about as far as it goes. It's, it's not that exciting. But the feeling you get afterwards, and for some, the feeling you get during it, that can be exciting. The feeling of getting a new personal best, the feeling of, of just feeling good in your body, feeling strong, the feeling of seeing yourself in the mirror and recognizing how shredded you are or whatever your physical goals look like, that can be rewarding and exciting. And that's something that we can anticipate, something we can look forward to. So what we need to do when we're trying to create specific behaviors and allow ourselves to take action in specific ways consistently, we can start by creating anticipation around the reward. And we do this through visualization, through journaling, through proper planning. We recognize what is required to take that behavior. What does the actual process look like? And we plan that out. And we continue from there with planning out what does the reward feel like? How are we going to recognize whether or not we've achieved that reward? Getting into the details here is what allows you to build anticipation for that feeling or for that outcome. And as we now know with dopamine, the anticipation of the outcome can drive dopamine release, which can improve our likelihood of actually following through because, and say it with me here, dopamine is a molecule of motivation, not just of reward. So that is the first tip to hacking your motivation. If you're struggling, you found yourself really, really not able to stick with this behavior or even get started, taking time to visualize the outcome, that thing that you're excited for, that can be a phenomenal place to start. Now, the second thing we're going to look at is commitment devices. Now, when internal motivation, that internal desire to take the action fails us, which it's going to, it is 100% going to. We are human beings and we kind of suck at doing things consistently, to be perfectly honest. Like, just being real with you, we kind of suck at being consistent. So that motivation is going to fail us. When that happens, having external sources of motivation can be the stopgap between whether we take the action or not. So you might be asking, well, what does that external motivation look like? Well, one form is the commitment device. And this is a tool that has been talked about widely in behavioral psychology for some years now. Um, uh, and I've, I've actually talked about a few options for this as well. And a former guest of mine, Katie Milkman, spoke about this. The idea of a commitment device is very simple. It's something external that reinforces our commitment to a specific behavior. So this can be uh, something like an accountability partner. This can be what's called a cash commitment device where you uh, put a certain amount of money on the line and if you don't take the behavior, that money gets donated or it goes to a friend or whatever uh, uh, rules you choose to set up. These external drivers of commitment can help drive internal motivation when it's just not there. 
because maybe the motivation of actually taking that action or taking that behavior isn't quite there, but you can rely on the internal motivation of not wanting to lose something. And a, a big part of why commitment devices work is actually based on this idea in psychology that it hurts more, we feel it more when we lose something than when we gain something. And this is called loss aversion. When we've gained something, and especially when we've adapted that thing into part of our identity, it often feels more painful to lose that thing than it would feel good to gain something of even greater value. This is part of why we try to hold on to what we have, even at the cost of pursuing something that could be better. Not to mention the other biases and psychological things that play into that. Things like worrying about, is that thing actually going to be better? Are you taking this massive risk without certainty? So there are a number of ways that this plays a massive role, and commitment devices can uh, sort of build on top of these principles to create external motivation that drives internal motivation and therefore behavior. So what types of commitment devices are there? Well, I'm going to be quoting or rather reading from an article I recently found. Actually, shout out to Dr. Heather McKee, who shared this on LinkedIn. The article is written by Samuel Saltzer, and of course, I've got a link to it in the description of this episode. Uh, so he actually takes a moment to categorize commitment devices, and he breaks it down into three types. You have social, which is, quote, commitment device that adds social cost of not acting in line with long-term goal. Great for someone who enjoys social accountability. So perfect example of this, when you publish on Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram that you're going to do X and you want XYZ person to hold you accountable, that is social uh, that is a social commitment device. When you ask a friend to hold you accountable to a certain thing, that is a social commitment device. When you use the app that I built, Upward, and you have a partner for a specific habit, that is a social commitment device. So this is the idea behind the, the first category of commitment devices, which is social. Now, the second one, he says friction. So, quote, Commitment device that adds hassle cost of not acting in line with long-term goal. Great way to change the choice architecture of your home or workplace. So this is something that I talked about a few episodes ago when I discussed changing your environment. Now, many psychologists and behavioral scientists believe that the secret to changing behavior consistently is actually to change the environment that the behavior takes place in. So this is doing things like... Um, uh, no longer buying a specific snack so that you can't be tempted by it or driving a different way home that doesn't pass a certain store or fast food restaurant or, or whatever your vice is. Doing things in the world around you that just make the behavior harder to take or make the behavior easier to take if it's something you want to be doing. Now, the third one that he discusses, the third category of commitment devices is what's called financial commitment devices. So uh, here is the quote, commitment device that adds financial cost of not acting in line with long-term goal. No one likes to lose money, not the type of commitment device for someone who struggles with gambling addiction. So this is the cash commitment device primarily. So there's an app called Stick, and there's actually a number of them now, that allows you to put in money, put it on the line, and if you don't take a certain behavior, your external uh, coach or voter 
tells the, the app and you lose that money. Now, in the case of Stick, it goes to a charity or an anti-charity, things that you maybe wouldn't want to support. Um, other apps will give it to the friend or, or things like that. But the purpose is simple. You put in some money, and if you don't do the thing, you lose that money. And this is a, a, a really powerful tool to getting you to drive behavior. Now, I've always been skeptical of this one. I'm going to be honest, uh, because it feels like by ramping up the cost of failure, you are potentially, uh, when failure inevitably happens, which I, I believe to be the case, failure is going to happen at some point in the process. Uh, when that happens, you are potentially discouraging future action. And I asked this question to Dr. Katie Milkman, the author of the book, How to Change. And she believes that cash commitment devices, and she's seen the actual data on this, so I tend to, to believe her, um, cash commitment devices are very effective the first time that you try something. When you are, are getting out of the gate, you're trying to get yourself to stick with it long enough for it to become a habit, a cash commitment device can be incredibly helpful during those situations. However, post that first attempt, once the first failure occurs, uh, it's a little more up in the air as to whether or not it's still valuable. Now, I'm sure there is still value to it. And the beauty of all of these tools is that it's about the individual. All I can do with you is share a number of tools that you can utilize. It's up to you to figure out which one is going to work best for you based on the situation you find yourself in, the context of your life, the goal that you have, how important it is or not important, so on, so forth. The purpose here is not to tell you what to do. It's to tell you what you could do and then give you the, the tools and resources and support required to figure it out for yourself. So that's the second uh, second tool that we can use to hack our motivation. And the third, uh, and this is one of my favorites, so this is sort of in that friction commitment device category, but I think I, I, I gave it its own spot because there's more to it than just adding friction or reducing friction. So this is changing your environment. And when I speak of environment, I mean the entire context around when and how a behavior occurs. So I gave the example uh, in my last episode of flossing where I really struggled to floss for a long time. And being consistent with it is something that just, I'm not sure why, I've just never really been able to do. One of the things that helped was uh, uh, walking through the process and, and visualizing that reward, that clean mouth feel. The thing that I didn't talk about in episode 798, the other part of what helped to make that finally stick was actually changing the time of day when I flossed. See, it's widely documented that uh, uh, for most people, during the morning, the first eight hours of the day, let's say, uh, from when you wake up to, to roughly eight hours after that, um, that's when you're more prepared to handle tasks that require a large amount of cognitive overload. And what, what I mean by cognitive overload, this is a term I learned from Dr. Andrew Huberman of the Huberman Labs podcast. Um, I feel like I've, I've basically just become his fanboy at this point. I feel like I talk about him every episode, but it, for good reason. He knows what he's talking about and it's, it's a, a phenomenal show. But anyway, uh, this idea of cognitive friction. So how much do you need to mentally get past in order to take the behavior? When you uh, are first awake for those first eight hours, 
typically, even if you're not a morning person, which I I consider myself a nighttime person, you are more mentally prepared to do the things required to overcome that friction, that mental cognitive friction around certain behaviors. And historically, I, like many other people, have tried flossing at night. So I would I would try flossing before I brushed my teeth, after I brushed my teeth, so on and so forth. But it was always at night. And one day when I was visualizing this process, I started to ask myself, what if I just tried it in the morning? When I am more prepared to do this sort of like uh, a large mental lift to create the behavior that I want to create. And that has worked wonders. So changing your environment, or rather maybe a, a better way of saying it, changing the context around the behavior can do an amazing amount. Now that could be reducing friction as we talked about in commitment devices. So it could be that you take a path home from work that drives past the gym and so you're more likely to go to the gym. It could be that you um, uh, uh, set up an automatic deposit into your savings account before it ever hits your paycheck. Those things work and that is changing context around the behavior. But it could also be the rest of the context. It could be the type of behavior. For example, choosing a dance fitness class instead of weightlifting if you find that more internally motivating. It could be things like changing the time of day that you do the behavior, moving flossing to the morning instead of historically it being at night and that being what drives the behavior. Whatever the context of your behavior is, shifting that context in any number of ways, no matter how small, can change the outcome of the behavior itself, whether or not you take it. So those are the three ways that I think you can hack your motivation. And uh, I know, I know, not all of them were actually about motivation. Why is that? Well, because motivation is irrational and unreliable. And if that is the thing that is going to drive behavior for you, then you're eventually going to find yourself struggling. So I actually think it's more important. Yes, we want to understand motivation. Yes, we want to learn how we can create it. But it's more important to look at the other tools, the things that can help you take action and drive behavior regardless of how motivated you feel. So that's what I wanted to talk through today. Just to recap, just to go back over them, the first was hacking your dopamine, going through the process of visualizing the reward and creating anticipation for that reward in order to help drive motivation towards the behavior. Uh, the second was utilizing commitment devices. And just to recap, again, this is coming from Samuel Saltzer. The three types of commitment devices, social, friction, and financial. And then finally, changing your environment and the larger context around a behavior, things like shifting the time of day, shifting the type of behavior, shifting the, the way that you travel and reducing friction, so on and so forth. So if this was helpful, I want to connect with you. Reach out to the community. Head over to tlbc.co slash community and let me know what you thought. Let me know your thoughts on this episode. What have you done to hack your motivation? If you want to pick up a copy of the book Dopamine Nation, I'm reading it right now. You can get it for free as an audiobook. Just head over to audibletrial.com slash tiny leaps. Links, of course, in the description of this episode. And with that said, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for being here. I've been Greg Clunas. And remember that all big changes come from the tiny leaps you take every day.